So we're here in Levi Stadium, uh, the home of the 49ers, and I'm joined by Joe Netley, a 15-year kicker veteran in the NFL, and of course, five years here with the 49ers. Joe, delighted to have you with the Irish NFL show today. Pleasure. Glad to be here. And we're delighted to have you, and obviously, you didn't just kick over here. You've actually been part of the international series as well, so you've uh, taken the trip over to Europe uh, before. Yeah, a couple of times, actually, and... and I got to say welcome to everybody, you know, through through Mark here, but welcome to Levi Stadium as well. I mean, this need to be able to host, and it was really fun to be able to go out there and play, and and we had a viewing party, the Niners had a viewing party, our game against the Atlanta Falcons earlier this year up in Leeds, and then we took over, uh, took over the box and had a great time with a bunch of NFL fans as well. So I do have a history, played, uh, played a game at Wembley uh, in 2010, against the Denver Broncos, ended up winning a game and, and was just so enamored with the NFL fans in there and the celebration of the of football, American football uh, at Wembley that day. It was pretty amazing. Uh, one of my co-hosts is a Denver Broncos fan, so he always, he always appreciates reminders of the 49ers beating the Broncos, which uh, happened more than once or twice, including, you know, the Super Bowl. Unfortunately, a lot more recently as well, so I'm sorry about that. <laughs> Um, but Joe, we're talking, I mean, you've been, you were around the league for, I think it's 15 years, my run, so I was 14, it was, it was a good 15 years, and a uh, great kicking record, you're over 80% on field goals, and, and pretty clueless on extra points, and five years here, but lots of stops all around the NFL, and I was angry. I mean, was there any great uh, epiphany you've had, you grew up in California in relation to it, to traveling not only the world, obviously, with the international game, but all the different stops around uh, the NFL teams, like anything that particularly stood out to you from the the history of the NFL, or even just the stops along the way. You know, it's it, it my career, and I think being ten years plus removed from it, it gives you an opportunity to actually look at it at a different light. Um, but the places that I stopped, and the and the franchises that I visited, the locker rooms that I sat in on my run through the NFL. Was pretty amazing. I started as an undrafted rookie with the Green Bay Packers in 1995, and I remember Brett Favre and Reggie White being in that locker room. Mike Holmgren was the head coach, and it was this time where the Packers were not quite there, but getting there. And unfortunately, didn't make that team. Bounced around, went to the Miami Dolphins at a time where Jimmy Johnson was replacing Don Shula as the head coach, and with that franchise, and was. A teammate of Dan Marino's, which was you know amazing because I was a huge Ace Ventura movie fan. <laughs> Next to you know not only a rock star football player but a movie star, and it was, was you know bigger than life moments, and uh, you know bounced around. And as a as an undrafted police kicker, I was I came into the NFL with a very strong leg and not a very accurate leg. But there was a rule change at that point where the kickoff spot was moved from the 35-yard line back to the 30 because the NFL wanted more excitement with the kickoffs. Well, you know, looking back, they did, they got it, they got too much, and they moved it back to the 35. But there was a window where the strong-legged kicker was a niche little spot in the NFL. So I started as a kickoff specialist. And then just through being with coaches, um, being with professionals, and learning how to actually work my technique, work my craft, um, and perfect it and watch these guys practice. Um, I think it's, it, that is a slow absorption of, of kind of how I became when I, you know, became an NFL kicker, but, um, the bouncing around took a lot of toll. You know, you're, you want to latch on with the team and, and sign that long-term contract. And sometimes it doesn't work that way. You know, you, 
you end up getting on this group of kickers who get flown around to franchises. If somebody pulls a hamstring in a game or somebody doesn't kick very well, all of a sudden there's a, a workout and there's four kickers that go out to this place and whoever shows the best gets the job. The other three fly home. So you learn how to pack a bag that's big enough to sustain you for a few weeks so you, until you get more of your stuff back, but not heavy enough to where you can't turn around and fly back on the other day. So it becomes a, or the next day. So it becomes sort of a, a nomadic and a very blue collar kind of existence at that, that place kicker existence. But thankfully I put together pretty decent numbers and kept that leg strength, which kept teams interested in looking at me and working out and, and things worked out pretty well. And I ended up going from a not so accurate, but very strong kicker to one of the more accurate um, kickers in the league towards the end of my career. And it was sort of a statistically knowledge wise, body care wise, it was more of an ascendance for me throughout my career. As I learned, I became a sponge. I followed people. I watched what people did. Um, and there just became a time where you learn that, you know what, you're not a victim of your environment. You've got to kind of go and adjust to it. And, and no matter if it's wind, it's rain, it's mud, snow, whatever it is, go out there and do your job. That's what they're looking for. So all those kind of things just brought me to to this point where I got to sign with the San Francisco 49ers 10 years into my career. And I got to put all of that knowledge and energy to work for my favorite team growing up and, and showed well for, for the Niners, for me, for my family, for my, you know, my community. And, and I'm very, very proud of that. That was a, it was a really great ending to a career for me. Yeah. I mean, if I remember correctly, I think you were co-MVP of the team one year in relation to it. And uh, and like you say, you I mean, I think you grew up in San Jose, so just around the corner at hometown team and your longest stop in your NFL career for five years here uh, in respect of it. And obviously we're here in the amazing Levi Stadium, um, yeah. but you were more used to the olden days, if you like, a candlestick just before it closed down. How do you compare what Candlestick Park was to obviously this fantastic modern facility that we're in there. They're eight. You can't, you can't compare them. Um, Candlestick to me was just, it was the stick. You know, you had, and that was a, a great thing about that era. There were these, these monikers, you know, the catch. And the skiers played at the stick, you know. It's just that, that these things that just bring these memories to life. And as a kid, you know, as, as a young one, I... I would go to the games here and there with my my folks, and they sat at the second to last seat on the very very top of Candlestick, and you get a panoramic view of of what it is to go to a game from that from that height. Um, and so to actually end up putting on that uniform and walking through that dingy old tunnel and going coming out of the dugout and standing on that field as a San Francisco 49er and being able to sit there and see that. Eight, ten, twelve-year-old kid up there watching the game, and then standing on the field and going, "This is cool. This is pretty amazing." <laughs> so the history of Candlestick for me was enough, but the challenge of Candlestick, the weather conditions, the wind, uh, it being right on the San Francisco Bay, and you know there being games where you're watching the flags, and the flags are just, you know, and the white caps are on the bay, and and there were place kickers throughout the NFL that would say there are certain franchises that I will just never play for. You know, I won't play for Buffalo, I won't play for Green Bay, I won't play for Chicago, I won't play for San Francisco because the wind, the weather conditions are terrible. And I looked at it at a certain point in my career and went, you know what, but the ones that go and do it there and do it well there, they get that much more respect. And so from the Bay Area and to end my, my career at one of the more challenging venues in the NFL to kick at that, at that point, to put together good numbers to me was a... It was important to do that, and I put a lot of work in to do it. But um, 
So for me, that that I'll always be able to hold on to that. You know, I did well at the stick. Then never got to kick at Levi's, and I know I practiced out here. Practiced before there was a stadium here, and it wind blows different out here. It's a straight line wind. So I think that's probably what's going to happen this weekend with the game. It's going to yeah. be windy, windy, but a different kind. Kale stick was just a, a vortex, a tornado of different gusts, and you had to learn the craft of kicking inside there versus, uh, versus here. Bit of, bit of hometown advantage, though, because you have that inside knowledge and that experience, obviously, week in, week out, getting used to those uh, nuances, shall we say. There's a psychological game you can play, definitely. You know, you have a young kicker that comes in and goes, hey, how do you kick in this place? And I just kind of, either if you want to help them out, then you just kind of tell them, you know, something simple, like, hey, don't overthink it. Aim middle, strike it hard, trust your line, trust your technique, you know, put your head down, just go do your job, everything will take care of itself. Or you could just go, you know what, man, I, I come out here and just kind of roll the dice every single time. <laughs> I still haven't figured it out. Good luck. <laughs> so there's different ways that you can play it depending on who you're playing. Love it. Love it. And uh, I'm for, we'll get on to the game and obviously the 49ers this season and everything. But I'm always I'm curious about one other thing. We've been fortunate to interview a number of great kickers in the league today. Greg Ganado, Harrison Bucket, guys like this. And he, um, but meeting you earlier, Joe, I mean, you're... A large man, shall we say? I mean, not 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 in girth, but in a bite, certainly. I mean, you could have played linebacker, it certainly seems like. How do you think uh, kickers have evolved since you've left the league? Because surely at the time, you were probably the tallest in the league, probably still would be, I imagine. Oh, uh, you know, actually, uh, you know, early in my career, I mean, I played, you know, from the very first ball that I kicked was a soccer ball or the football. You know, yeah, it's okay, it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> and that evolved into kicking the American football. But I started out as a left wing for a club as a, as a kid and, and, and played that sport all the way through into high school and was, you know, bending corner kicks, scoring goals off the corner, was, was the one taking penalty kicks, free kicks, all those types of things. Loved kicking a ball. And being a tall, tall guy and having these long legs, I was able to just really whip it. And I remember as I got older, obviously being as tall as I was, I got into high school and all of a sudden the basketball coaches are coming over and American football coaches are coming over and they're going, you need to start looking at playing this sport. To start, you know, and, and so I did and became a wide receiver as, as a football player and, and was a, a forward slash center playing basketball, but I always had that background of kicking, kicking the ball. And my junior year of high school, I ended up uh, having lung surgery. My lung collapsed and I had to have surgery to replace it, but it was right before the football season. The doctor said, you get hit, that's bad. And I said, well, can I be the kicker? You know, I mean, I something, you know, and, and he said, yeah, just don't kick the ball and go run off the field. That's all you can do for, and so I, I basically that kind of became a place kicker by accident. It was the background kicking the round ball that got me into it. And I ended up, because of the fact that I'm so tall, I have these long legs, was one of these more power kickers. And like I told you earlier with that NFL market niche where teams were actually willing to sacrifice a roster spot, a game day roster spot for a kickoff guy for field position purposes. It became kind of a little lucky window for me to, to kind of climb through and then, and then work from there. So, but yeah, traditionally they were small and they had really long lasting and they were from, you know, European countries or Central American or South American countries because that was the history. You kicked the round ball and then you came to the NFL because nobody knew how to do it. But the evolution of that position is is pretty amazing. And there even when I was playing, there was position specific exercises, things that you could do to 
working your core, working your hips, working your legs, all these different parts of your body, balancing and things like that to really help, you know, and then the mental game, um, taking care of your body, nutrition-wise, all these things. So you're looking at these place kickers now, and these aren't, you know, five foot six, small, small little guys that are amongst these giants of men, you know, it's if they're more now like, uh, like us, they're six foot plus, they're yep. good sized guys are good athletes. And if they need to get into the mix, not all of them, obviously, but a good number of them can actually get out there and do something on the field if need be as well as yeah. and play, play the game of football. We, we always love a good kicker tackle. <laughs> so always the only one that does it is the guy that got tackled because he's got to go answer questions to his team. You let the kicker tackle you? Come on. Well look, well, look, I mean, I mean, the 49ers have got a pretty decent one back of core with uh, Grillo Ashier and uh, Warner, but maybe you and I can line up at Mike and Will if they get really stuck. I'll tell you what, we could look the part yeah. going in. And then the moment be, the whistle blows, that's it. Be Which, absolutely awful. I fully agree. <laughs> I fully agree. See you, Blair. Um, but look, you've been a 49ers fan. You're obviously around the team quite a bit. You're around the facility quite a bit. It must have been a fantastic, I mean, it's been a fantastic season from a, you know, a worrying start, let's be fair. It wasn't the most consistent. Um, and uh, I remember, always remember the Oscar Wilde line about to lose one husband can be considered careless. Oscar can be considered unfortunate. To lose two uh, is merely careless. Of course, the 49ers on this amazing Cinderella story for pick number 262, those old compensatory picks in the late seventh round coming useful. Uh, but with Brock Purdy, obviously with the midseason acquisition of Christian McCaffrey and with this incredible defense. Uh, 11 games now, isn't it, in a row uh, on a winning streak? Yeah. Um, how have you viewed the season as a fan, as someone in the Bay Area, closer to the action? Here? It's well, And for me, it's it's fun because, like, just like you said, I, I was a fan before I was an employee. And after my employment, I became a fan again. And, and a fan in a different perspective, a fan of, of the game of, uh, as a whole, you know, really enjoying the the characters and the and the athleticism and the and the the camaraderie and everything from from a different perspective from an alumni perspective um and so to see see this team who are so entertaining i mean the the but to see a roster that was built by you know a guy that was a, a not a teammate but a but a foe of mine john lynch but we both you know he played at stanford i played at san jose state we both kind of came out and played in the league at the same time so to see my peers you know Kyle Shanahan's coach, Mike Shanahan, was was a coach of mine for his short stint in Denver. So there's there's all these really neat connections that have all come back. Ed McCaffrey was a receiver for that team, and his son, you know, his son Chris is doing a pretty good job. You know, it, so to stand back and to see and to be proud of these these really good men, these good people that I played with and and admired throughout the time to see their kids and. And to see the next generation of, of the sport being carried really and done and carried very, very well. That, first of all, is really, it's, it gives you a lot of pride. But then, as the fan, to to see this team, I mean, firing on all, and, and still, you know, I don't know if we've watched four quarters of firing on almost all cylinders yet. You know, there's there's this one half of it is good enough usually to get a win. And that's, you know, that's been a little bit, I think, the scary thing is that this team really gets on gets on its horse and goes, and nobody can stop them so far since this you know since this whole quarterback situation. But even when Garoppolo was was quarterbacking, the, the team was still gelling, and and this team's playing very very well. So I'm kind of I'm confident, but I'm a little wary because it's getting to the point now where 
there will be adversity. There are teams that are just as good, just as competitive, just as confident as the 49ers are right now. So it's a fun time to be a fan. It's exciting. It's been so much fun to watch this fan base and to watch these young players and, and do as well as they are and gel together like they are. Um, and this game this weekend, I think, will be probably the first time. I don't even think Seattle was really much of a of a contest last week. You made it look a little bit easier for Seattle than, than it actually was. But this Dallas team is a little scary. Um, they have the potential to lay an egg. Mm -hmm. But they actually have a potential to put up a pretty solid performance, too. So depending on who shows up, you know, it'll be interesting to watch Purdy. It'll be interesting to watch, see if it if it has to be something that comes on his shoulders. Because so far, he's just a dealer, yeah. you know. So if all of a sudden they can isolate and make him make plays, that's the thing that we haven't seen out of Purdy yet. So that's my my take as a fan. But really, I'm just so it's it's just a great time to be a fan of the league. I think the teams that are in it are fun to watch. You know, they've all got personalities. They've all got really great players. So, you know, I'm all good mood right now. Yeah, yeah. E even the hated Cowboys. Even the, even that. Yeah, but <laughs> but respect though. Respect, yeah, of course, of course. Well, I mean, it's one of the more historical uh, playoff rivalries. You think back the seventies with uh, Tom Landry's Cowboys down the top, eighty-one. Obviously, the 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 forty lines break the curse and start that amazing run with Montana and York, and then the three back-to-back -back championship games in the 90s. And certainly in the you know, United Kingdom and Ireland, we started to get free-to-air American football in the, around the mid-80s. So the Bears, the Giants, and of course then the 49ers were box office TV. So um, that that era is key. But of course, both these teams come in, and we have to go back to the mid-90s, unfortunately, That's until either of them had have won the, the whole shebang, shall we say, although... The 49ers have been to two Super Bowls in the meantime. You've played in playoffs before during your career. Mm -hmm. How different really is that environment? I mean, every NFL game, it's any given Sunday, it's a lot of pressure on the big game every week, but does it rank up to, uh, to crank up to a new level when it comes to the playoffs? Absolutely. There is, there's no doubt. I mean, there's, it's, it's a different animal when you get into the postseason as a fan and as a player, as anybody that's connected with it, um, something changes. And it's it's hard to put your finger on exactly what it is until you've been out there and really felt what it's like to, to participate in something like that. Uh, the fans know it, the players know it, and it's, a, it's just a neat phenomenon to be, to be a part of. Um, unfortunately for me, you know, when I played for the 49ers and that era was both the Cowboys and the 49ers were not playing very well at all. So there wasn't a lot of rivalry history, but I grew up, you know, the very first moment and memory I remember as a kid, as an eight or nine year old kid was the catch where catch. the Cowboys beat, you know, or the I'm sorry, the, the Niners beat the Cowboys with that, you know, amazing, amazing play. And everything that ensued from that point forward, it seemed like the 49ers became just a juggernaut. And when you're from that area and that's your home team and they're just killing everybody for years and years and years, you just get used to, oh, the 49ers are just the greatest thing. And then, you know, and, but then you learn what the rivalry is with the Cowboys, which you learn, you know, and one of the rivalries that have happened along the way, the playoff rivalries with Green Bay and um, with the New York Giants and, and the history of, of really significant games. So for me, unfortunately, as a player, I missed that Dallas rivalry. But growing up as a kid, and idolizing those players in that era of 49er football in the 80s and even into the 90s. Um, absolutely respect what's going on. 
this place is going to be absolutely nuts this weekend. I, you know, have it be the last game of the four-game venue over the weekend, how it'd be kind of the marquee matchup. Um, it'll be a fun place to be, absolutely. Yeah, we were, we were passing some of the preparations there earlier on, and the uh, it's certainly going to be a hell of a show and a hell of excitement um, come Sunday evening here. Um, I say about the pressure getting bigger in the playoffs, and obviously... It'd be remiss of me not to talk about the two different sides in your role position that we're going to see in the games this weekend. Um, yes. it's, a, it's a playoff game. Robbie Gould, um, one of the more consistent kickers over a number of years and number of stops in the league, has been perfect in the playoffs. So I don't want to tempt fate here, but he's never missed a field goal. He's never missed an extra point in the playoffs. Brett Marrow still looks like he is kicking at the weekend. Cannot say the same thing after last weekend's performance. And even though he's got a great Irish name in Mara, um, he is certainly a man under pressure. Um, yes, he is. Is it? I mean, it seems obvious to say there seems to be advantage 49ers in that regard. Well, it all depends on Brett Mara, right? And, and how he has responded to everything. And... You know, I look there. I had a, a game when I was playing at San Jose State University. I missed three PATs in a row in the first half of the game. Ended up coming back in the second half and making the following three. But after the third miss, there becomes this level of you have got to be kidding. <laughs> Everybody's looking at me. Yes, now I've turned something that is supposed to be the most routine play into now the most non-routine thing. Uh, he has now changed the point where this game. They're going, to, they're going to actually focus on this PAT, and there's going to be a pause, and there's going to be commentary before the PAT, and there's going to be cameras watching Brett Marwa do something that should be a pretty routine play. So how he mentally and emotionally handles all that and how he can keep it at bay and understand the task at hand and mind over matter and all those types of things is really completely up to Brett Marwa, the human being. And I'm rooting for him. But it's going to be a very big spectacle, and I don't see a 49er fan in the house <laughs> let him know about it first time they go out there. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's really the game you want to be playing away from home, isn't it? Oh, uh, uh, yeah. Um, I think the only comparable I was trying to call on was I think Cody Parkey once hit the uprights four times in the <laughs> same game. So, uh, yeah, yeah, it can happen. And as you say, there's a lot of the mental as well as the physical side at any position on, all, uh, on the American football team. And on the flip side, you know, if you look at Robbie Gould and the way that he goes about his job, and I, he was a young player towards the end of my career, and so I got to watch him with the Chicago Bears, and he's another one of those guys, to me, that just gets a lot of respect because he kicked in Chicago. I mean, it's it's those conditions are not easy to kick in. Those field, it's cold, it's windy, it's – and. so uh, he's got my respect. He's done nothing but amazing things since he's been here as well. I'm not worried about that operation. They make it look easy, although I know that it's not. Well, yeah. This is all happening in 1.3 seconds around, you know, from snap to kick. Got to have a lot of protection. It's a very, very much a team thing. It becomes this, this harmony, this rhythm, this trust. And to me, the operation from snap to hold with the Dallas Cowboys looks like everything is fine, and which means that that is all about how Brett Moore approaches that spot and what he's thinking about coming in and, and how he handles everything. But um, the Niners make it look very, very easy. And no matter what the wind is doing out there, Robbie's got so much confidence in, in his line that he just sends it off in the direction and then the wind usually takes it where it's supposed to go because he's been here doing it, you know, for a while. So 
we'll see what happens on Sunday with uh, Mr. Meyer on the other side, but it's going to be an interesting one to watch. Absolutely. And look, I, I couldn't let you go, Joe, without kind of putting the bit of the heat on and asking you then, on the overall scale in terms of the game this weekend, mm. what's your prediction and how do you see it coming down? And I know we are a fan of that on, there might be a simple answer on this, but um, but the Cowboys present an interesting problem. I mean, they looked more impressive against the Bucks than they probably have all season. Dak Prescott can turn it on, and they do have the twin-headed monster of running back, certainly, as well as a pretty decent defense, and uh, I think it was called an MPP, a Micah Parsons problem. <laughs> he is anybody's problem. Um, you know, Dak Prescott, I think, poses probably the biggest problem. He is, he is a big, strong, physical, and smart, and poised and composed quarterback. Even when he's making mistakes, doesn't really seem like he's he just kind of goes back to work. And so anything that the Niners throw at him, they've got to be able to somehow fluster him and get him to a point where he's pressing. You know, if he gets to stay in there and, and do his thing and make plays, that's where I think the Niners secondary may have some problems. So it could turn into a shootout. But the way that the 49ers offense plays in it, I just don't see I don't see the, the Dallas defense stopping the Niners from scoring points. So the only way that it's going to be a close game is if Dallas can keep up. And I don't know. I, that maybe maybe they're the it takes Dak or I'm sorry, throwing for 400 yards or something like that in order to make it happen. But it's not going to be a low scoring affair, I don't think. Well, maybe PATs might. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> especially if you miss four of them in a game. But usually a PAT or two, you know, may, you may be able to get away with that because you've got the two point conversion. But I see it being a close one. For some reason, 38 to 34 Niners sounds like a number in my head, and that's a that's an entertaining game, but I think there's going to be a lot of offense in this one. That's our prediction. That's a great prediction. It sounds like a great game to watch. We can't wait for Sunday to come around. Uh, I should have said you gave a lot of props there to John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan, and of course, both of them have Irish backgrounds, so I'm sure there's no connection between that whatsoever. It's the luck of the RL. Oh, that's, you know what? You take it, roll with it. That's good. I like that. <laughs> John, thank you ever so much for your time. Stay where you play these shells in. Thank you so much. Cheers. Cheers. Thank you so much.